You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. Today we begin a new sermon series, and uh, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth as a preacher. And so when I do that, I try to own it and acknowledge it with you, uh, because the sermon uh, series actually that we're beginning and embarking on today is talking about kind of how like big things happen when we are able to kind of get tiny, right? When we're able to get small. And so I want to invite us to kind of think a little bit about that. And the reason I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth as a preacher is on the one hand, I'm going to tell you that like to like make, make huge steps, it's like, you know, all starts with a small step. And so on the one hand, big isn't that important, but actually what we're going to talk about and reflect on today uh, is actually really important. It's actually huge. Um, and so kind of honoring how big and how big and tiny kind of all fit together. Um, so like big changes, right? Big changes, they don't, they don't start big. They actually really do start small. They actually start super small, like the size of an initial change, right? And and when we're talking about change, we're talking about like a new year and kind of embarking and embracing a new opportunity to be able to to be the body and to live the life that God is calling us to live. And as we kind of think and pray about that together, uh, we have the opportunity to appreciate the fact that it's not always the size step that we long to take that is actually most important. Uh, but it's the consistency and the determination and the willingness to take that step regularly and consistently uh, that, that actually can make a really large impact. As I'm thinking about this series, uh, I'm thinking about this is a quote from um, uh, a guy named B.J. Fogg who says this. He says, tiny is mighty. Tiny is mighty. At, at least when it comes to change. He said, over the last 20 years, I've found that like most everyone wants to make like some kind of change, either eat healthier, lose weight, exercise more, reduce stress, get better sleep. Like we all want to be better parents or partners. Like we all want to be more productive or creative. But, but you know, the alarming levels of whether it's obesity or sleeplessness or stress reported like seen in a Stanford uh, lab um, uh, jobs research uh, poll, like it tells me that there's a painful gap between what we want and what we actually do. Like the disconnect between want and do, like it's been blamed on a lot of things, but, but people blame it on themselves for the most part, he says. Like they internalize the cultural message of like, it's your fault. Like you should do this, you should do that. You should exercise more. You aren't like doing good enough. Shame on you. Then he goes to say this, like he says, but like I am here to say like it's not your fault. And creating positive change, it it, like isn't as hard as you think. He goes on to say like we've been kind of set up to fail in, in this way of thinking. Like if only we were better people, like we wouldn't have failed, or if only we had like followed that particular program or you know, that particular thing to the letter of the law, like had we actually done this or that or the other, like that's what would have made all the difference in the world. But, but what, if, what if we're not as much the problem as is our approach to change and that we have an opportunity to begin to think and pray about living life a little differently? And so he talks about kind of three overarching ways to uh, kind of... Um, Uh, allow for big changes that are going to happen in our life through some very modest 
steps. And the three overarching, this is actually not the sermon today, but I'm getting into the sermon today. Three overarching steps are, number one, to kind of stop judging yourself, because that tends to not be super helpful. Number two, to take our aspirations and to kind of break them down into tiny behaviors, right? Tiny behaviors. So start small. And then number three, to be able to embrace mistakes that we've made as discoveries and use them to move forward. This is um, like a behavioral scientist book, but that sounds like gospel to me. Does it to you, friends? That sounds like gospel to me. Like stop judging yourself in a way that just kind of brings, you know, guilt and shame on you in a way that's not really going to produce change. It's just going to make you feel bad about living the way that you're already going to live. That, that's like Jesus talks about that countless times with encountering people in the, in the midst of the moment. Like to take the opportunity to be able to kind of break down the big changes that we long to see or that we believe God longs to see in our life, to break them down into tiny, almost microscopic steps where the Holy Spirit can empower us to be able to like take small steps that added all up together can really lead to big significant change when you kind of add them all up on, a, on an hourly basis or you know, in a given day or in a given week. And to be able to embrace mistakes as discoveries that allow us, right? Discoveries that allow us to be able to learn what not to do so that we can move forward towards that new and abundant life that Jesus promises us is available when we're longing and willing and open to connect to the one who created us in love, and so, like, if we could just kind of, like, center in on that and kind of think a little bit and pray a little bit this morning about, like, what that might actually look like in our life. I'm thinking, here's the image that I have in my mind. I'm thinking about things in my life when I finally kind of got my head or my heart around one part of this thing, whatever this thing might have been, and I'll go through several examples of this thing. Um, like, when I could kind of get my head or heart around one part of that, the, the rest of that began to make more sense to me. So I'm thinking about riding a bike. Anybody like to ride a bike? Did you used to like to ride a bike? Anybody ride a bike? Anybody ever have trouble riding a bike? Did you have trouble learning how to ride a bike? You got the scars to prove it? Yeah. So I'm thinking about that moment. I, I kind of remember it, that moment where I tried to ride a bike for forever and then finally was able to ride a bike. And I, I don't know what shifted exactly, but what kind of like... What, what kind of kind of took hold in my soul in that particular moment was something about the balance of where I needed to be able to hold my weight in this machine that was trying to, to carry me up. And most of the time that I was falling, I was trying to do the work for the machine, right? But, but when I allowed the machine to do most of the work and I could just kind of balance myself, well, that actually was pretty impactful. I, I remember um, uh, like early in marriage, I remember that I had this idea and this concept of marriage. And if you're married, you may relate to this. And if you're not, you can think about really important relationships in your life. Anybody ever been in that space in your life where you probably haven't ever admitted it out loud, but you feel like that everybody else was created just so that they could meet your needs? <laughs> can, I, can I get an amen to that? Like anybody ever felt that way? Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes we think that's what marriage is, right? Like, God, God, thank you for giving me this person that's really just supposed to serve me. Like, thank you for that. And um, by the way, that doesn't last very long, that notion of marriage, <laughs> that expectation, that, that ideal of marriage. Like, like at some point in time in married life, you still have a ton of it to figure out, but at some point in time in married life, you begin to kind of 
like figure out that this is not something about somebody else serving me, but it's about how can I serve somebody. And if I serve somebody and they're serving me, then somehow our needs are met. And like that is a beautiful example of marriage and, and relationships and friendships and all kinds of, all kinds of models of, of being able to be community together, right? And when we begin to figure that out, like there's some other parts of this whole big thing that begin to, to, to make sense. Uh, I remember thinking, um, like, like eating out. Like I remember I worked in the hospitality industry for a while uh, before going into ministry. And so I remember this notion, right? I remember having this expectation. Have you ever had this expectation? Um, that you expected gourmet food and gourmet service, but you wanted it at fast food prices? You ever been in that space? And, and by the way, it's a, that's a recipe for being really frustrated, right? But, but when you let go of that expectation, well, then maybe there's something... Maybe there's something else there. Sports. I remember, like, when I was playing sports actively, like, especially in school, like, I was all about the game, but I hated to practice. Anybody don't like to practice? But, but then, somewhere along the way, I realized that, like, it's actually the practice and the scrimmages that are, like, way more important than the games, because that's, like, where the real work happens. That's where you begin to learn, like, what to do and what not to do, and how to play with these people that are your teammates. And once I began to realize, like, that thing, like, practice wasn't just, I wasn't practicing just so I could play the game. Like, I was actually playing the game so that I could demonstrate what I'd learned in practice. When I kind of got that figured out, then there's some other things that began to, to make sense and fall into place for me. So, so here it is, right? Here it is. Here's what I want to invite you to grab hold of today. Because um, the more this is going to sound, I'm gonna, I want to read this because it kind of doesn't make sense until it does. And so I want to read it because I want to make sure to get it right. Um, this is kind of out of my spirit yesterday. Like, I, um, like the less that we know God, right? The less that we know God, the more that we want to know other things that we will treat those things like God, but they will never actually deliver in the way that God provides, right? Like the less that we know God, the more that we want to know other things that in our life become a substitute for God, and because we're going to treat those things like God, but the problem is we're going to treat them like God, but they're not going to deliver like God because they're actually not in any kind of covenant with us, and most often they're going to make promises that can't actually be fulfilled uh, aren't actually um, faithful. And, and so when I say that, I'm inviting you to think about the thing that matters most. Today, I want to invite us to pray about and think about focus, right? Focus. I want to invite us to think and pray about, I'm going to borrow a phrase from um, the Westminster Confession, which is a part of the, the Reformed tradition of our Christian faith. Um, and I just want to read this little, this little section out of that confession. It says this, the psalmist says, the Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. Right, that's verse 18 of that psalm. Man, humanity's chief end, right, chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. Like, let me say that another way. Like, like humanity's chief end, like, like for men and women and for like children and students, no matter how young or old we may be, no matter where we live, no matter what the color of our skin, no matter what language we speak, no matter if we can read or not, no matter what our net worth is or isn't, no matter when we were born, no matter what generation or century we're living in, that, that somehow, right, like the chief end of humanity, like the ultimate purpose, the ultimate core focus and heart 
of, of humankind is like to glorify God and to enjoy God's presence forever. I just want to let that sink in for a minute. Because I'm not going to speak for you, I'm going to speak for me. I try to make life about a whole lot more than that sometimes. That isn't actually more. It's actually less. But in the time, I, at the time, I think it's more. Right? Like, think about that with me for just a minute. Well, you like, like focus. Like, like if there's one thing, I'm thinking about like you learn how to ride that bike. And when, when, we, when we figure out that on a bike... Like, where, like right here, I have to hold all of my weight. But on a bike, I can't hold all of my weight because when I do, then this thing that's trying to hold my weight is in the way, right? And now I'm going to fall and stumble and all of this stuff that I, I'm not actually going to do if I'm standing up because I haven't learned that it's trying to carry part of me. But if I can learn that it's trying to carry part of me and if I can learn how to shift my balance, then once I understand that, then there's a whole lot of other things about that that actually will begin to fall into place when I realized that like my whole purpose in life, like no matter what I'm doing or who I'm with, my whole purpose in life is to glorify God and to enjoy God's presence forever. Like to glorify God and to enjoy God's presence forever. Would you just share that with whatever part of that that you captured just now? Like to enjoy God and to like enjoy God's presence forever. Um, like can you just share whatever part of that with a neighbor and just say, I want to encourage you to like, I just want to encourage you to glorify God and to enjoy God's presence forever. Would you just share that with a neighbor? Would you just encourage them with that? I mean, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It, it like sounds too simple. It's like, what's the catch? Like, what's the trick here? But, but what if that's the, the one thing? What if that's the one thing that life is really about and everything else that is meaningful and abundant out of life kind of comes out of that? What if, if that's the one thing? Like that God loves us completely with an enduring, sustaining, persistent kind of love that we can barely even imagine. But we can barely imagine it because it's what we long for most in our life. But we long to fulfill that in all kinds of different ways other than just allowing God to love us completely in the way that God longs to do and in the way that God has, has committed and promised to do in Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and then I want to go into Luke chapter 12. These are just like some scriptural affirmations of this, this kind of one thing that life is really meant to be about. Um, this is Paul's language in 2 Corinthians 3. Like, does it sound like we're patting ourselves on the back or insisting on our own credentials or asserting our own authority? Well, we're not. Neither do we need letters of endorsement either to you or from you. For you yourselves are all the endorsement that we need. For your very lives are the letter that anyone can read just by looking at you, that your very lives, that your very lives, that your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives, and we publish it. So, like, we couldn't be more sure of ourselves in this, that you, written by Christ himself, for God, you're our letter of recommendation. 
We wouldn't think of writing this kind of letter about ourselves. Only God could write such a letter. God's letter authorizes you to like, help carry out this new plan of action. Like The plan wasn't written out with ink on paper, with pages and footnotes and legal footnotes that are just like killing your spirit. It's written with spirit on spirit. It's his life in our lives. It's his life in our lives. With that kind of hope to excite us, verse 12, nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, like we have nothing to hide. Like everything's out in the open with us. Like he wore a veil so that the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away. And they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then. They don't notice it now. Don't notice that there's nothing left behind that veil. Even today when the proclamations that old bankrupt governments are like read out and they can't see through it, only Christ can like get rid of the veil so that like they can see for themselves there really is nothing new. Like whenever though, like they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face and they suddenly recognize that, that God is living and they suddenly recognize that God, like that God is living. That God is a living presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And, and when God is personally present, a living spirit, well, that like old constricted legislation, it, it's, it's no longer needed. It's obsolete. Like we're free of it, all of it, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining, like our face is shining with the brightness of God's face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like God. Like Paul's beautiful language around saying like, like the one focus of your life where everything else that matters will fit into and around is to be able to glorify God and to like enjoy God's presence forever as a part of your life. Like how Jesus hits on this in the Gospel of Luke. He says, like, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Not to be so preoccupied with like, you know, with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Like people um, people who don't know God and the way that God like you know works, like they fuss over all of these things, but you know both God and and how God works. So steep yourselves in God. Steep yourself in the reality of God, in the initiative of God, in the provisions of God. And you'll find all your everyday human concerns, they'll be met. Like, don't be afraid of missing out. Like, you're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself, Jesus says. So be generous. G give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt or a bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank that you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? Like the place where your treasure is is the place that you will most want to be and it's actually the place that you will end up being. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you hear, like I, I shared all of that with you before, I read that scripture because I want you to be able to hear in the scripture the invitation to appreciating, receiving, and beginning to respond to God's 
glory and grace and to be able to enjoy God's presence forever. And that if that's like the focus, if that's like, like, every, like every time we're facing something, we get to ask the question of, how is God's glory revealed to me in this? Uh, this is not easy, right? It sounds easy. It sounds simple, doesn't it? It's, it's not, actually, because there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things, a lot of people that are going to want to tell you what they're certain that your life needs to be about. And right here, we have the very heart of if there's a secret to life, like, friends, this is it. This is the secret. This is the focus. And, and if everything else kind of is able to be drawn out of this focus, then we actually become who we're called to become in every situation, in every relationship, and in every season, and in every moment of life. There is um, just so much richness and, and so much goodness in like allowing God to love you, feeling that love, reflecting that love and that glory, reflecting that love and that glory, and enjoying God's presence as much as you possibly can. Now, in order to do that, friends, right, like, like that's the big thing. But, but, but what if we took some tiny steps towards that big thing? Like what if the tiny step that we took today is just to begin to, to wrestle with our ego about the fact that that's the purpose of our life, that that's the purpose of why we were created? I mean, if we could, we could do that, then... Like, there's some kind of amazing stuff that, that could happen out of that. I'm, uh, I'm touched by this. This is um, um, Savannah Wand. Um, I actually have a quote of this. Uh, Savannah Wand, but she says, um, uh, how to hold regret tenderly, right? How to hold regret tenderly. Like, I wish I would have done that differently. And, and at the time, like, I couldn't. Like, anybody think that the past is the greatest obstacle to you live in the kind of future that God's calling you to live? Because God's trying to invite you to learn and to let go and to move forward, but, but somehow you still feel like you're living that past moment, whatever that may be, but you're living it in the present where you really can't do anything about it except to, to turn it over to God and to allow God to, to redeem it and, and to begin to learn from it and to begin to start anew. Like, like, like isn't that profound if we could begin to, to embrace that and to think about what it actually means to live out and to live out of God's glory in the lives that we're called uh, to live. That would be profound. I mean, that's how much God loves you. That's how much you're loved. I love this picture. It's a picture of a, it reminds me of the Lion King, but it's a picture of, of you see the, can, can you focus in on with me for just a minute, friends? Can you focus in on the little, the little, um, the little lion in the front? Just focus in on the little lion in the front for a minute. This is what I did when I saw this on Thursday. Like look in his eyes or her eyes, if you will. Look at like his or her smile. And, and then look behind him or her and you know why. <laughs> like there's some confidence to be able to live life in this way, right? Where, you know, in, in this image that I'm inviting you to cultivate in your mind where like, like God has your back, like God has your front, like God has underneath you and above you and around you, and that like to be able to live life like every moment for God's glory 
and for that to be the chief purpose of your life and of my life, and for us to be able to live in that and to realize that joy is a byproduct of that because where God's presence is, joy is there. Even when the circumstances stink, even when we're in the hardest, most difficult moment of our life, like that somehow in the midst of it all, that like God has got your back, right? Like God has got your back. I, I love this picture. I saw, I saw this this week, um, but it's, uh, it's a dad and uh, an airline attendant. Um, and if you know anything about what's been going on with airlines lately, it's been really challenging, right? And, uh, and I love this. This is a dad who's waving and an airline attendant says, this dad booked six flights to join his flight attendant daughter during her Christmas shifts. Isn't that a cool picture? Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool to think about um, in this example of Father's love and to think about how that love is just a bit of a microcosm of a God who longs for you to know that your life is about bringing glory and honor to God and enjoying God's presence forever. And friends, how many of our worries how many of our daily anxieties and concerns and struggles begin to float away if this is our primary aim, if this is the end and ultimate and heart focus of our life? Um, like, like I, I just want that to bring joy about in your heart because it brings joy about in my heart to know that we have a God who like, um, loves us completely and it's just inviting us to allow that love to be the primary thing that defines the rest of our life and existence. But because just like that little cub, right? Like there's nothing we can't do when God is behind us and working in and through us. Like there's nothing that we can't do. There's nothing that God can't do in and through us. I, um, I love this. Let me end with this. Jeffrey Holland, um, one more quote up there. Salt team, I think. Thanks. I know it's kind of small on the screen for you, but let me read it. Uh, the future of this world has long been declared. Like the final outcome between good and evil was already known. Like there's absolutely no question as to who wins because the victory has already been posted on the scoreboard and the only really strange thing in all of this is that we're still down here on the field trying to decide which team's jersey we're going to wear. We're just still down here just trying to figure out which team's jersey we're going to wear when, like, we've been invited. We have the opportunity to wear the jersey of the one who declares victory over sin and death, which are remarkably powerful forces, but, but powerless in the large scheme of God's power. And that we, friends, have an opportunity to, um, to um, afford ourselves an opportunity today to take a tiny but not so tiny step to allow the focus of our life to be like, how can I receive and respond to the glory of God and enjoy God's presence forever? And um, I wonder, friends, if we can do that, if we don't find out that all the other things that we need to be and, and all the other things that we need to do, um, if that doesn't kind of find its place in the gift of knowing what life is truly 
truly about and one who has given everything so that we can live that faith. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.